Today's lesson is from Psalm 34, 1 to 10, and 19 to 22. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The reading comes from Hebrews 11:32 to 12:2. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you please pray with me? Father, we pray that we would be found and to be bound together with all your saints who walked in faith, bearing the cost of believing as we all look to Jesus, who is the founder and the forerunner of our faith. We pray this in his name. Amen.
So we're again uh, taking a break from John, and we'll resume next week. But for, the, for today, since tomorrow is All Saints Day, uh, tis the season to reflect on what it means to belong, to reflect on what it means to belong, not just to a Christian community like here at Little T, but to the church, to the church with all faithful believers in Jesus around the world, throughout the ages, throughout all of time. In fact, we affirm this every Sunday, at least by us. We choose to say the words of the Apostles' Creed. Since whenever we stand up and say the words, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. When we say those words, we affirm the, the not-so-obvious reality of this transcendent, universal community of people who are mysteriously bound together across space and across time only by our common faith together in Jesus, with the Holy Spirit being the one who knits each one of us, everyone together, into this one indissoluble communion. Now, that's a lofty and grand and abstract thought, and it bears practical significance in our own lives for the here and now because of how integral this reality is to our own faith, given how regularly We say this, we affirm this each and every Sunday when we're gathered here, when we stand up. So the question is for us, what does it mean to belong to this reality? The reality that we're part of and a participant in a transcendent universal community of people bound together by faith in Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to belong to this Last month, my wife, Sally Jane, and I, we visited a Roman Catholic shrine that was just half an hour drive northeast from Quebec City. It's called the Shrine of St. Anne de Beaupre. That was named after the apocryphal grandmother of Jesus, being the mother of the Virgin Mary. Now, it's a shrine that was credited by the, uh, that is credited by the Roman Catholic Church to impart healing miracles to visiting pilgrims. Now, inside the shrine, there's this vast interior that's lavishly ornamented with the names, with the images, the portraits of saints in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the early church, now particularly the French, European, Roman Catholic saints of old. See, now these prophets, these apostles, martyrs, church fathers, and saints, they are memorialized in every space, in every corner. You could barely find a blank spot inside the church. Now, that design was particularly intended to give the effect of one entering into another world, the world of not only the Bible, but the realm of heaven, where God rules over all things, alongside angels and archangels, with all the company, the people who have believed and who have died in Jesus Christ. It's a portal into another dimension, to another world, into another story greater than our own individual stories that traverses our own space, traverses our own time. What's implied by this interior design is that this heavenly dimension, this heavenly dimension is not out there, way too far and out of reach, that you need a rocket ship to get to. No, we're surrounded by it. It's as close to us as our own breath. We can scarcely take a step and we would have already entered into it. We need only to turn our gaze and it's right there in front of us, 
right here where we are, where we are seated. We are surrounded by this dimension. We are inside it. It's a matter of having eyes to recognize it, having hearts and minds to believe it, having the countenance of faith to grasp it and apprehend it. In our second reading from Hebrews, the writer describes that we, the church on earth, were always engulfed, engulfed by this heavenly dimension. The writer puts it this way. Since we are surrounded, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The writer is portraying an image of an arena, kind of like uh, the Rogers Center. With the church, you and me and all the Christians around the world, we're, we're right at the center of this arena. And then we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. A cloud metaphor is just a literary way of saying a multitude. In this case, of witnesses. Or in another sense of the word, of martyrs. These witnesses and martyrs were the people the writer had just mentioned earlier. Now, they, they, they were people just like you and me. They were people just like you and me. Specifically from the life and history of Israel who were commended for their faith. They were regarded as witnesses because they, in their own peculiar ways, they bore witness to the God of Israel. They testified to who God is, to what He said, to what He promised. Some of these people even bore witness in their manner of suffering and in their manner of dying for their testimony, thus becoming martyrs for their faith in this God of their ancestors. So this writer goes on to imply that this great cloud of witnesses that surround and encircle us in this arena of life on earth, they have encircled us. They, they're around us. They're watching over us even now, witnessing, seeing us, cheering us on as it were we were competing for a race, as though we're running on a marathon. This is the heavenly reality, the heavenly dimension that encompasses us even now. Now, as I said, these witnesses are just people like you and me. The writer had just listed them, Abel, Enoch, Abraham, Moses, David. They're the big names of the Bible. And I must emphasize now that these people made it into the Bible's hall of faith, as sometimes this chapter is called, precisely because of their faith. Because of their faith and not because of their virtue or their character. See, many of these people were very, very flawed. Rather unimpressive people. They were even very terrible people. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was a chronic liar. Moses was a coward. He had a short temper. Gideon was so timid. Jephthah was rash. Samson broke every single one of his Nazareth vows. David was a murderer and a sexual abuser. Samuel was careless and he was a terrible father. On and on. And these people were commended not for their character but for their faith. Now it's not as though these, the writer had just overlooked these people's flaws and even their crimes and made them out to be these moral religious paragons because preferably one's behavior should match up with one's beliefs. But the point is, the point is that these people, despite their flaws, despite their crimes, they were commended for believing in God. Believing in what He said, believing in what He promised, 
when they had first heard him, first heard about him, passed down from the generation before them. And they believed the promises of God, even though they did not get to see even at the end of their own lives. And that's why they were regarded as witnesses. Because at several points in their lives, they came these opportunities upon them for them to make a decision in their own ordinary lives, then to act and behave in such a way as to show whether or not they really believed in who this God is that they were told about, that they encountered in the desert as they wandered, when they were miserable, when they were caught up in their own mess. If they really believed in what He said, in what He promised. And it, at least in those few recorded instances in their lives that we get to read in our Bibles today, their behavior slowly matched up to their beliefs. Despite their flaws and crimes, these people, just like you and me, regarded as witnesses because at some point in their lives they believed in the God of their ancestors. And as they began to believe Him, their behavior slowly matched up to that belief. That's what faith is. That's what believing means when your behavior begins to match up to what you say you believe about who God is, what He said, and what He promised. Of course, it wasn't this linear progression. It was often one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, three steps back. Again, as their behavior kept matching up to their belief, these people began to bear witness to the people around them, about this God who saved them, who rescued them. To the point that they began to put themselves aside, to put their own ambitions, their priorities, their desires, their own bodies aside. Then put others ahead of them. To put God and His words and promises above and over themselves. Back to that question. This is, in fact, what it means to belong to the reality that we are part of and a participant in this transcendent universal community of witnesses, people who are just like you and me. We're bound together by this common and transforming belief, this common and transforming faith in who God is, in what He said, in what He promised. Now, the, the writer put it this way, that this great cloud of witnesses that surround us, they did not get to see They didn't get to hold. They didn't get to taste and embrace God's words and promises fulfilled in their life. They didn't receive the reward that they had so sown in their lives with their toil and agony, that they had paid by their blood in their lives. But it has now come upon us in this age of the New Testament, the words, the same words and same promises of God reaching their full and perfect end in Jesus Christ, When we today read and hear from Holy Scripture, the manifold witness of these saints, prophets and martyrs and apostles, people who are just like you and me, it is Jesus for whom they have borne witness throughout the ages. It's emblazoned now in our Bibles, in our apps. We read them in every single different language and translations. They continue to bear witness, and it's the same Jesus for whom we today if you call yourself a Christian and baptize, that we bear witness to this world, to our children growing up in our midst, to our grandchildren who visit us every once in a while, to the people who have yet to believe in Jesus, in our manner of living, 
nor manner of suffering, nor manner of dying, just like the saints of old, who are just like you and me, as our behavior somehow matches up to what we say we believe. Are you part of this reality? Are you participating in this reality that anticipates the words and promises of God to bear its ultimate fruit when everything in this universe will be submerged into his immortality, into his perfection? Do you want to belong to this reality, to this enterprise of bearing witness with the great cloud of witnesses, of saints concerning the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Now, Again, back to the picture of the arena as we're encircled by this great crowd cheering us on in our, by the saints of heaven in this arena of life. They cheer us on as we run the race. And then as we're running in the arena, this writer of Hebrews, he makes this astonishing announcement as it were through the PA system. He grabs the remote and he speaks to us from afar and tells us to look ahead and notice who it is that's right in front of us. Who is it there? We see not too far ahead. It's Jesus himself just beyond the finish line who was himself just running, just running in the same arena of life and he was the only one who crossed the finish line. The writer goes on saying, he announces, he keeps announcing to us, you're running this race, keep your head, keep your eyes ahead and fix them on that man, Jesus. Fix them on him who himself was the founder and the forerunner of the same race that every saint was on, that you and I are on. For the joy that was marked out before him, he suffered and died on that cross. He hated its shame. Then he crossed that line to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. We're not left on our own to run in this arena of life. Even while we are encompassed by this great company of heaven to spur us forward, the person, the man for whom we are running this race had himself gone through the same race. He sweat the same sweat that we sweat. He bled the same blood that we may bleed and shed. He suffered the same and even greater. And he crossed that finish line that separated life from death. But then after crossing it, he didn't just peace out and went straight away to be gone in heaven. You're on your own. Run the race. He didn't do that. Jesus turned back around with a new body. He showed himself alive again to his friends. And these friends of his, people like you and me, he, they bear witness. They died for this testimony. Jesus is alive and he is with you. He left us His Holy Spirit. He is now literally empowering each one of us and our bodies to run the same race, the race to Jesus, the race to be running with Him, to run as He ran, to endure the torment and the tumult of His life as He had for the immortal joy set before you and me. Jesus is not out there far too out there, far away, out of reach. He is close to us as our own breath. He is here with us in this arena of life. He is here inside of us in His Holy Spirit. It's a matter of having eyes to recognize Him. 
having hearts and minds to believe him, having the countenance of faith to grab hold of him, to apprehend him in our lives. Since we are all together surrounded by a whole realm of heaven, by so great and massive a cloud of witnesses, people who are just like you and me. The writer says, let us cast aside everything that weighs us down for the race, for the marathon. Let loose of it. Cast it aside. Forget about it. Leave it behind. As our behavior matches up to our belief, as we're bearing witness to who Jesus is to the end that the whole world may be brought to the perfection of all things by faith in Jesus, together with all his saints in this one indissoluble communion. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.